Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. Yeah, and so Eric just posted, um, you know, he talks about he gets much higher engagement with, you know, when he shows women doing, playing Richie's Plank, which is a great, great game, great, you know, spectator experience. Good lighting, good lines of sight for moms to see kids. Like that's more operational stuff. But if you can show that in like no mom wants to take their kid and and stick them in a dark booth in a narrow corridor. And like some of those I was talking to a guy this morning from Redline VR in Chicago, and I love what they're doing. They're building this great VR social space with a full bar. And he was talking about how like a lot of the VR caves look like porn theaters. And I was just I just shivered at the thought of that. But he's right. And then when you show it and it's all dark and it's black light and yeah. like creepy, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a place that you want to come and hang out, but that's not, but, but if you've got a place like that, getting close, change the lighting. I think this is what he's talking about is at least make it look brighter and you're creative. You've yeah. built what you've built, right? You've got to make it appealing somehow. Yeah. It's, and, and you also have to have a balance in that. So to the point of, of bringing it into your creative and frankly, you know, messaging on what you're selling if what you have for a vibe is always dark, right? So zombies and shooting zombies is a, a, a leading theme in VR. Got it. But you know what? Show the colorful landscapes. You know, post-apocalyptic, we get it. Everyone's done it. They've seen it. They've become numb to it. Even when you're playing, whether you're, you're a video, uh, you know, capturing people, playing the attraction, you have to have that balance of light and color. And frankly, even when you get down to uh, things like your brand and, and how you're representing your branding, right? It's, uh, I think the, the VR space would probably benefit from uh, less grays and, uh, you know, varying shades of black and, and coming and with light. Yeah. I, I mean, look, you, you see uh, products that jump out at you because of the light, right? I mean, the people playing yeah. VR don't know that it's well lit. They, they could care less. They're in the middle of, of adventure. But everything that is around them is really well lit. It becomes a spectator, you know, sport and something to get the, the next person to want to line up and to purchase into. So the other thing I want to, so I've had a lot of debates on some of the Facebook groups around the term VR arcade. Mm. and feel like it really sells short what's possible in virtual reality and some of these experiences. And I got so much blowback from those posts of people saying, well, you know, people aren't searching for a VR experience center. They're searching for arcade. And, and you know, I was trying to explain to them that the audience is broader than the pe- The potential audience is broader than the people that are searching in Google typing in VR arcade. And so when you're out there and you're looking at like keywords and, 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 what are you buying? And maybe going back to MindTrack and, and trampoline parks and some of that stuff. Like, what are some of the strategies these guys can use to broaden the audience a little bit beyond just the gamer who's looking to come in and shoot zombies for an hour? So if you're if you're an FEC amusement center, the good news is that you're you're in a, a much better position in place from a, a uh, pushing out ads, having keywords that will bring folks to you so that they see that there's an experience to be had and all of those kinds of things. If you're on the B2B side, it is really difficult uh, because when you really tune in, as we have keywords, what you're going to find is that you're going to be found less 
Now, the first thing a client does is they panic. First thing I do is I say, thank God we've eliminated a bunch of noise because now you're getting clicks for people who aren't looking at HTC goggles, right? Or, or looking for the next home system or any of those things. I mean, you know, why aren't we seeing millions of people click to our website? Well, because you do something that's very, very specific, right? And that, that process of even fine-tuning, especially on the B2B side, takes a little bit longer and um, a little bit more of a science to it. But, you know, that's Google, you know. Uh, one of the things, and, and I'm trying not to, because uh, I see Tim's thing there on, on uh, yeah. Dan, but I'm like shiny lights and I get all distracted. One of the things that's that I, good. I, I wanted to... Uh, just cover one of the first parts of the conversation that we have with, with any prospect is really having them understand that there's different value and costs to being on different platforms. LinkedIn gets you closer to a customer intent. However, LinkedIn is also traditionally known to be a platform where that's where you're kind of going if you're job hunting. So just because someone is there that you can identify by industry, by title, which is great, by geography, which LinkedIn, and that's why you pay a, a premium, frankly, for those clicks over other platforms. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be there when your ad is cycling, right? So yeah. one of the things that we, we really try to, to talk through with any of our prospects and customers is it's just what's the value of each platform and, you know, what, how applicable is it going to be to what we're doing here and what we're trying to accomplish, and look, I think one of the challenges is these platforms have all made it very easy to self-serve ad campaigns for entrepreneurs and business owners. And they make it look easier than it really is. They make it easy to take your money, right. but delivering results is a different thing. And I know I've played around myself. Like I'm, you know, I'm a marketing guy. I've been marketing for 35 years. And I, and I go on and I spend money just to every once in a while, I'll drop some money in a bucket to do something and test. Yeah. And I don't get shit for results. And, and I'm probably smarter about this shit than most people are. And I just, it's just throwing money away. And so this is the thing where I really struggle because most agencies don't take this personally because I don't include you in this because you're a small, you got like, you're, you're a really small team, but most agencies will, you know, they fly in the big guy who the Don Draper and he wows everybody. And then they leave. And because you're a small business owner, you have a tiny budget. They leave you with some intern that doesn't know her ass, his ass or her ass from a hole in the ground. Right. And all they do is take your money every month. And after three or four or five months, you're like, what the fuck's going on? And you fire them and you hire another agency and you rinse and repeat. And that has been my experience in the agency business. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Andre knows what I'm talking about. And so how can a small business and this isn't meant to tee this up as an ad pitch for you. But how can a small business, they can't do it yourself effectively, I don't think. I think that there's too many platforms. They change too frequently. Yeah. The best practices are changing all the time. I don't know how you do it yourself. Like, how do they fucking get their hands around this and do it effectively? Because it's critical. Like, what do they do besides call you? Like, Yeah, so they, they do eventually get around to, to calling us. And what I'm really happy about is, is that we're having bigger businesses call us because each of these platforms are changing, like, monthly. Right. This past year, Facebook has undergone significant changes on a different channel, on a, 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 a marketing podcast called Confessions of a Marketer. I actually did three segments just because of Google's change in their algorithm from last year. And while all of a sudden things like Google My Business actually matters, right, where it was has been irrelevant for so long. 
you know, we spend as an agency about 20% of our time each month just in learning, right? Some of that is keeping up and a lot of it is learning and then keeping an eye forward always on what's out there. So if you're a small organization, how do you do it? Well, if you're an FEC or an amusement center, you, you probably are doing it by spray and pray and you're getting some results and some recognition. But, you know, if you don't know how to track transactions and, and do all the kinds of things that gets to be really weeds conversation here that'll make everyone's eyes glaze over, then you're really kind of missing out on all of the opportunities to be able to go in and time remarketing for people who purchased birthdays uh, for October, like they should have been hearing from you like in September, right? Those kinds of things. There's not an easy answer, right? If you're doing it on your own, do your best. They try to simplify these platforms, but time and again, I've had people who have come to us and say, well, we've been doing, you know, Google AdWords, right? And it hasn't worked for us. Okay, well, let's look at what you've been doing. And they have like a list of like seven keywords. And it's like, yeah, this isn't what the game is. This isn't what it's about. So, And so what is the game about? So you look at somebody, they've got seven keywords. What are they missing in, in general? What is it they're missing there? I mean, Do they need a hundred keywords or like, <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, they, they go to thesaurus.com and just look up like all the different words that mean the same thing. And I mean, look, we start off by scraping competitor websites and looking at what keywords they're using. We're running percentages on keywords and modeling out success. Right. And we haven't even started the campaign yet. Yeah. We're looking at where the demos are. Right. We're looking at any available demographic information that they have. One of the first places that we start with, with our, our B2C customers, is do because we now we're under contract. We have an NDA in place. I want to put that out there. And we just say, look, give us an extract from your POS system for your revenue for the last, you know, 14 months, 16 months. Let's see what, which zip codes are turning up revenue for you, right? Doing something that simple, that basic. From a B2B perspective, we talk to the sales teams. We try to get the sales teams to really identify what's the map look like? What are the hot zones for your opportunities where you've seen a lot of development, right? So a lot of this stuff, before you even get on a digital platform to do anything, it's like it's business one-on-one. Where are you seeing your business come from? What are the messages that have resonated? Where have you been challenged and you've failed? Where have you been challenged and have been successful? I think the number one mistake that people make in digital marketing is that they forget to look at the basics of business, right? And look at that data critically and then build off of that so that they understand what does their buyer actually look like? And, you know, what is that swat of data that we're making these kinds of, you know, getting these kinds of uh, data points on so that we can start to think about doing informed things from a marketing perspective. So it's, you know, before you get dirty on, on a platform, get dirty with the information you have and be smart with it. That's great advice. We'll stop right there. So how do people, if people want to get in touch, how do they get in touch with you? Get me right at Victor at post and wall. Spell it all out. P-O-S-T-A-N-D-W-A-L-L.com, right? Postandwall.com. You can get us at postandwall.com on our website. Go to our uh uh, engagement page and send an email into engage at post and wall or Victor at post and wall. Thanks, Bob. And, you know, we're, 
we're there. I think, you know, we, we don't necessarily always have the budget to fly out everywhere and, and be Don Draper, but I'll say this, spend 15 minutes with me and I'll spot you the next 45 because, uh, you know, everyone's situation is so individual, right? Uh, even if, if we're talking to multiple FECs, you know, their territory is different. Their market is different. Your market in New Jersey is not going to be the same as your market somewhere out in Nebraska. It's just not going to be. When you're talking about, and you, they want to get into what's ad spend look like, it's, you know, let's talk about your business. Let's talk about your reality. And, and that's always the place to, uh, to start. You know, outside of that, we do a lot of unsexy things with analytics and tracking and, and, and whatnot. But uh, it's all about getting to the customer intent. And I saw Tanya's, I think she joined us a little bit late. But, yeah, we definitely covered the customer journey for sure. Absolutely important. Yeah. Victor, thanks for joining. Um, you know, like we could, there's so much to cover. You can only do so much in an hour. You kind of skimmed the surface a little bit. Hopefully we got some nuggets for people. And uh, next week I have... Brent Bushnell from Two Bit Circus. Uh, Brent is of the famous Bushnell clan. Nolan started his dad. Nolan started Atari, basically seen as the godfather of the arcade industry. He started Chuck E. Cheese, which is the first really family entertainment center chain. And his son Brent is um, following in his footsteps. And Two Bit Circus is an amazing uh, VR-focused mini amusement park, micro amusement park they call it in downtown LA. And um, really, really interested to hearing about how they're going and where they're going from here. So join us next week. I'll be coming to you from Hawaii. Yeah, take that. Suck that. Um, <laughs> for you. Because you, you got to be somewhere, right? And I found a pet sit on the big island. So I'm watching a cat and some chickens. Nice. And so, um, so I got a week in Hawaii. Yeah, awesome. So thanks, everybody, for joining. Don't forget, share this with your friends. It'll be on social and we'll post it. Victor, thanks again for joining, man. I love you. And, and the work that you're doing for everybody in the community is really important and valuable. And so we appreciate you, all of us. Bob, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I totally pre- I love this community. So thank you so much for having me on today. Greatly appreciate it. Beautiful. All right. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Peace out. That's the end of this interview. We hope you really enjoyed it. There's plenty more resources on Bob's website, which is www.bobcooney.com, or you can find us on all the usual podcast places. We look forward to seeing you again.